to truly live up to our name, mm. which homo sapiens means wise humans, sapiens means wise in Latin. So if there ever, ever was a time in history to, to truly live up to our name, it's now and the next eight years mm. so that we can create a sustainable plan, planet before it's too late. And I think that the good news here is that the, the corporate world is sitting on a huge potential that can be used here. This potential is, is to unlock and use human intelligence and wisdom much better than we are, we're currently are. Welcome to Stories for the Future, a podcast on a mission to get you excited and optimistic about the huge challenges and changes we are facing on this beautiful planet called Earth. My name is Svetlana Klavnesberge, and in this season, I want you to get into action. We all have special superpowers, and we are all needed to get us back on track for a great future. So please join me in my search for the superheroes with the superpowers. And if you at some point think that, hmm, I could have done this, then go out and do it. Make that connection, write that email, start that company. With almost 8 billion superheroes on this planet, there's no way we couldn't make it. So let's start. It's game on. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stories for the Future. Still with a little bit of a limited voice, I would say. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but I still have this post-COVID voice, I guess. But hopefully that will pass. A podcaster without a voice is a really bad idea, so fingers crossed. My guest this week has been right in front of me for a while and suddenly I realized that of course, you are talking about and working on some, so many of the things that we touch upon in this podcast. And the one thing I would highlight is that she works on and talks a lot about changes and how we meet them, both as professionals and in our personal lives. Eva Hagström who is my guest today, helps sustainability leaders to get buy-in and speed up the action needed to progress positive change. Eva is passionate about upskilling leaders with simple communication methods that fast-track collaboration, innovation and implementation. She's the founder of lederhjelpen.no, I will put that in the show notes, and also the author of Working Smart in the AI Era, which is called Fremtidsrettet Ledelse in Norwegian. She's born in Sweden. She has lived in Germany and Belgium for 10 years, in Norway for 21 years, and is dedicated to help leaders, leaders fast-track sustainability. No time to lose, as she so very accurately puts it. And I couldn't agree more, of course. Then I suggest we just jump in. Please enjoy my conversation with Eva Hagström. Welcome, Eva. It's so nice to have you as my guest today. 
Thank you, Veslamai, for inviting me and for creating this uh, this space to capture stories for the future. I just love that. And and I love how you talk about superheroes <laughs> and and your belief that we we can all actually change the world for the better. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. It's so good that uh, that that resonates with you. Because that's just what we need now. Yes. We need to spend less time on planning and much more on action. Yes, I, so, yeah. I agree completely. And we are actually not far from each other, like just uh, geographically. And a couple of days ago, we were almost in the same physical meeting, actually. <laughs> but due to some, some flu and some COVID, it turned out to be more of a hybrid meeting. But we will soon meet again for sure and yeah. we know each other from from different uh, networks and arenas i would say and we have so much to talk about <laughs> and i have a few keywords for this conversation and i'm sure there will be more but some of those i have written down uh, are your book your recent pivot uh, in your work leadership teams innovation and changes Maybe most of all. But first, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background and who you are. Okay. Well, I was born in, in Sweden many years ago, but for the past 22 years, I've lived in this beautiful country in Norway, uh, Etnotre, not far away from you, Veselmay. So I've lived here with my three children that have moved out now. So so now it's a, it's my big white golden doodle dog, Max, who <laughs> welcomes me home. <laughs> and which means I also have much more time to pursue what, what really uh, drives me and concerns me. And, and that is, that is wonderful. So I run my, my own company since many years. And in, in Norway, since 2006, I run Leder Hjelpen. <laughs> Leder Hjelpen, yeah. It literally means helping leaders, yeah. which is what I do. Yeah. I, I help leaders to, to fast track action, to fast track implementation from strategy to action in organizations through communication, better communication and better collaboration and better ability to actually drive change and then what I love most of all is to drive positive change. Mm. Your background, where where did it all start? Like going back? <laughs> <laughs> I spent my first years sort of in a beautiful small paradise, uh, a charming fishing village called Hoveneset, which is nearby Smurgen, just north of Gothenburg. And then at five, my parents <laughs> they <laughs> decided to move to Australia. Oh, and wow! And shortly after, back again to Gothenburg. So, from fish and crabs and lobsters to kangaroos and koalas and deadly poisonous spiders, <laughs> to back again to huge mooses that were sometimes hunting us on our way to school. So. Early on, I learned the need to adapt, you could say. Yes. Probably this has contributed to my lifelong interest in, in nature and in people and how to collaborate and communicate well, mm. which has become my, my living. So it's been a really colorful life. Not always easy, mm. actually quite the opposite. But also that has strengthened and shaped and taught me valuable tactics, how to thrive 
when you have turbulent times mm-hmm. and, and crises. So both on a personal level, but also from my work, working with with leaders across industries and, and across countries and helping them, especially in, in turbulent times, mm. how they can succeed in spite of that. And do you know, do you know that 10% of companies across industries, they thrive and even grow in times of crisis. Mm. This is recent research from 2020, Gardner and Matviak. They, they found out that about 70% they struggle mm-hmm. to, in, in, a, in a crisis, sort of just surviving. Mm. And 20, around 20% they, they don't survive. And then we have these 10 percenters who actually grow and thrive. So what do they do differently? Mm. These are the sort of things that that I find very, very interesting. Yes. So what can we learn from them? So it, it turns out that these 10 percenters, they are independent of, of what they work with. They are excellent at one thing, especially. Mm-hmm. And that is that they are excellent collaborators. Yeah. That's interesting. And these these percenters, what do they do? Yeah, they slow down to speed up yes. when they collaborate. And this is such a brilliant principle. And uh, I've learned it from before, and it's it's so impactful that many years ago, in, it became the foundation for all my work and, and what I teach. Yeah. So I even have one of my tools is even called Slow Map. It's, it's just a simple um, piece of paper really mm-hmm. that with with certain slow down to speed up questions so they just help you to slow down and to mm. clarify expectations they reduce the stress you could easily have when when you work on any change initiative or project it helps you collaborate better and so with it doesn't collaboration to improve collaboration doesn't have to be difficult. That's what I'm trying to mm. say. It, it can actually, we know what leads to better collaboration. And I just would love for leaders and teams and organizations in the world to become more aware of those and use them more so that we can increase action mm. um, and progress. So this slow map, it's, it, that's, that's free to download on my website. So, yes, and um, we will put that in the in the show notes. And as you said, it it's just it's actually some tools that you just have to be aware of, right? So yeah. you can use yeah. them in like in in many situations. And and we have had some conversations, on, and you have actually coached me on this as well. You can use that in uh, well in in many types of collaborations, and it helped me a lot. Uh, at that time so oh i'm happy to hear that yes yeah but but going Mm. back again from your studies and where did you start in that regard i began with the technical study Mm -hmm. four-year technical study and yes uh, i did well that was not the issue but i i soon figured after after three years i i i I realized this wasn't for me Mm. i was more into communication and i was too creative and too independent and that construction engineering sort of wasn't for my world so i i left as soon as i 
could graduate mm. and was then headhunted to to Stockholm to a spree and I worked there for a couple of years as a marketing uh, manager for Sweden and Finland and Esprit was just an amazing company to work for. Is, was... Esprit that's the that's the clothing brand, right? Yes, yes. No, I love that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and back then, back then this company was awesome. I think it's lost a bit of its spark, a lot of mm. some of its Esprit now, but at that time it was really amazing. It was an international setting. It was inspiring. We collaborated horizontally. They had incentives for us. They they realized that if we were happy, if we spent time together, we would also work better. So they actually sponsored 50% of if we wanted to go to the movies or to a concert or doing some training or exercise or whatever, they sponsored 50% of it. Wow. So, Yeah, a very different kind of company. Yeah. And at that time, I, I this brought me then to work at Esprit headquarters in Düsseldorf. And it was an American-European manager at that time. And when he quit, they hired a, a German uh, manager to, to run Esprit Europe. Mm. And it changed overnight. It was tragic. And so many talented people left mm. because all of a sudden it... it from being this team-oriented, helping each other, creative, collaborative uh, work environment, it became the more traditional mm. hierarchy, top-down, and many people left, mm. and so did I. Yeah. That's when I started my, my own business. Okay. So you actually yeah. started your business in from Germany? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in Düsseldorf, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and that was then in in marketing and in communication, which I which I was working with already. So mm. I just continued that, and and then after I after living in Germany for five years, I I moved to Brussels and worked there um, for five years, and then I came to Norway, uh, which is then twenty two years ago. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know if you had like uh, those big pivotal moments many times in your career but i know that recently you have made a shift would you tell us about that there are a few ones that stand out some major challenges that where you just need to take a leap of faith yes. and and trust your gut sort of and just go for it and not really knowing if it will succeed or not exactly. and I've had a few of those and starting my own company in germany was was certainly one of those mm. and then in Norway I started Lady Open at 2006 and that was also a shift because I went from more external communication more to internal communication I studied a bit I went to Oslo Business Business School BI and I I studied high performance leadership and communication and leadership and a few years ago I also took a master's of science in global human resource management at the University of Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, so this has impacted me a lot and and then to go I was driven to go into communication between people, mm. dialogues especially. So there are a few turning points that we could talk about. And you, Ms. Lemay, you you are 
You are actually among one of some a few people who have inspired me to to read one of these turning points in my life. Ah. So thank you for that. <laughs> Happy to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like when you talk about instead of profit first and and sustainability second, you mm. talk about sustainability first and profit second. You know that kind of shift mm. and. I've been working with with the companies as a high performance coach, really, and somewhere inside me, it's always meaningful to to help people succeed, to help people to have less stress, to help people to have less misunderstandings and conflicts, and and so on. So that is absolutely meaningful. Mm. But you know, a couple of months ago. I had a marketing coach and an, an advisor who wanted me to. I said I want to. I want to work more with sustainability, and but this coach sort of ignored this uh, burning desire and urge, and instead wanted me to to go continue with the topics that could where I could sell more yeah. or what I offer. Yeah. But it felt so wrong, mm. and I wasn't interested in just selling more. It would be much safer, of course. Mm. I'm a small actor in a in a very competitive market, and and when you work for yourself, salary is <laughs> directly dependent on having clients. Yes. So I knew I wanted to work with sustainability, with something that was more meaningful to to me personally. Mm. So because how could you not care? In this mm. situation with code red and mm. our world and planet and our earth suffering to such an extent, mm. in ex extent, how can you not care? Mm. What happened then was that this Christmas and a new year, just mm. after Christmas and new year, I, I got COVID and I was isolated mm. with Max then, of course, but a bit lonely and a bit boring. So, but it came, it also gave me time for honest reflection and I asked myself four questions that triggered a journey, a sort of personal sustainability inventory of my life and of my work and of my future. So I was lying there <laughs> in in the in the sofa and um, thinking about these questions, and that led me to a shift. And the first question is. If you fast forward one year, mm. what has changed in your life, and how did you make the best use of yourself to do good and help accelerate sustainability? That was the question I was sort of focusing on and asking my brain to answer, my soul and my brain mm. to answer. So how how did you make the best use? How could I make the best use of my expertise, my engagement, my network, my time, my focus, my my desire to help others, opening doors, connecting people, using my experience and competence? Mm. How could I use that to accelerate sustainability? So fast forward one year, what has changed in my life? Mm. And uh, it was sort of agonizing, plenty of things and plenty of possibilities to make excuses and and just stay with what's safe. And we all have this inner fear that people will laugh at us, fear mm. of failure yeah. and so on. We all have that. Mm. 
and and I do too. After a while, then it dawned on me that after some soul searching, it dawned on me that it was actually time now to listen to that inner voice that I've had even from I was a child. It was like dandelion, a, a sprout in inside me, a, a huge yellow dandelion wanting to burst through the asphalt hmm. again. And, and that dandelion just said, now it's time. I, I want to come out and shine and, and, and live according. It's time to live according to what I believe in. Yeah. So I, I took a bowl there in the, in the sofa. Yeah, mm. which led to you changing things in your company? Yes, yes, yes. I took a courageous decision that from 1st of January 2022, 90% of my time and work is to be dedicated um, to coach and train leaders on how to fast track sustainability action and and to use the the fast track that I've developed from before. It's like a six-week six week fast track and, and to use that to fast track sustainability yeah. instead of just high performance and profitability. So that was that was the shift, yeah. really. And it was such a relief. Yeah. It feels oh, so nice. good and right. <laughs> and uh, there's no time to lose. No. Yes, I love that you have that on the top of your LinkedIn page. <laughs> Isn't it something like that? <laughs> there, there's no time to lose or something in that uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I really agree. But so you can actually you can you can use very much of everything that you have used before in your in Lederhjälpen and just aim it in this direction of focus on sustainability and fast tracking yeah. and helping the leaders to succeed in that. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. and now could you Could you talk about that shocking percentage that you showed me the other day, the sustainability work done in yeah. companies? Yes, and, and this is from Bain and Company doing a survey across industries. It's it's from 2016, so it might have improved a bit since then. I hope so. Mm. But but that survey showed that 98% percent 98 percent of sustainability programs fail mm. we know any strategy implementation is by far the hardest part and and have high failure rates but what happens is that sustainability measures and goals are typically more complex and mm. therefore they are subject to higher failure rates yeah so uh, this is why we we need to to do something, we need to shift our way of working and to, to drastically improve the sustainability implementation speed and the rates, mm. so the success rate. So why why not go for a really, what would you say, a really tough, good goal? Go from Let's go from a 2% to an 80% success rate. Mm. I think that sounds much better. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And I, th I think that we could, because uh, as I said, you can use a lot of uh, everything that you have been working with so far. And now is a very yeah. good time to to talk about your book. Uh, you wrote a book. I don't know how many years ago. Is it now two years ago? Or yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And and I bought it at the time. It's called Working Smart in the AI Era. Uh, and it's really yeah. good. But I I dug it like and I started reading again now before the this recording. And I saw how how relevant everything that you're talking about there is for exactly this transition and regarding collaboration regarding what you you talked about about regarding uh, slow down to speed up and but but first maybe you can tell us what's the what's the story behind that book why did you decide to write it in the first place <laughs> i didn't you didn't i didn't oh no i decided to write an article oh okay that's a long article <laughs> that's a long article yeah. i decided to i probably wouldn't have dared to write to say i'm going to write a book okay. I've, i've started i've started several times now yeah. it started actually as an article and then i i invited three interesting highly competent and lovely people to contribute to this article mm-hmm. and and so that's uh, Lovleen Brenna and Lars Rinan and Kimberly Lane Matisson mm-hmm. so and f- because of that it, it sort of triggered me to write even more and be- it became a small ebook and then it became a book and even quite a thick book yes it is <laughs> so, so so and in um, it's been translated to norwegian as well published by hegner and then it has a different title it's it's then named framtidsrättet ledelse mm. and it's still about strategies it's it's the same book it's about strategies that leaders can use to to cope and thrive in what i then named the ai era and ai era because we see we, we see that the world is developing exponentially due to technology digitalization robots automation artificial intelligence that is developing in an exponential pace mm. and and that is such a a huge force that impacts us our work our society to such an extent that i i just sort of framed it as the ai era i don't know if it's the best term or not but that's what what it became at that time because you know robots they are so good at lots of things that we have been paid to do like a la- analysis parts of our iq robots are excellent at so everything that's possible to automate is going to be automated yeah. everything that's possible to be taken over or collaborate with artificial intelligence is going to happen and it and the speed of development is daunting and and not the linear we are moving away from the traditional linear development step by step a little better every day working in hierarchy linear organizations where people know each other well they work in lines and driven top down and this is all changing because we can't cope with the speed so it's too slow to work in that so this book is about three parts first part is about this exponential pace and the different kind of pace that that we are adapting to now and how that then impacts how we can structure our 
organizations moving away from this triangle top-down traditional way of working to a team team by team based ecosystem networked more three-dimensional way of working so that's the structure part and and then the third part by far the biggest part of the of the book is about people Mm. people leadership and culture and and practical tools and strategies on how to communicate and collaborate and drive change yeah and that i think that that part is is what i i really think is very very interesting and as we talked about before collaboration is one of maybe the most important things going forward and uh, like the sustainability development goals sustainable development goal (laughs) number 17 partnership for the goal is one of the most important perhaps but you talk about the art of great collaboration and there was something in there that i found really interesting and that like it I I felt it really personally Mm -hmm. because you say that we shouldn't necessarily always collaborate either. (laughs) And that I just, yes, (laughs) I agree because we are, we are actually more creative as individuals that than we are together, you say. And yeah, could you talk a little bit about this? We know from, we know from research, this is controversial and, and many people almost get angry when I talk about that. So it's, it's so cool that you say, whoa, this, (laughs) this resonates with me. So (laughs) that's nice. Now it, it, when you think about it and talk about it a bit, it, it actually makes sense. When, when you sit in a group and traditionally we are brought up to think that, that to be creative, we should brainstorm mm. and just sit together and just pop ideas. And that is one way of doing it. It's not the only way of doing it. And in my experience working with teams and in workshops and training them in how to collaborate, it's probably not the most efficient way if you want to collaborate on a higher level and you want to align views if you want to create psychological safety if you want everyone to be seen and heard, Mm. which we know is very motivating. Mm. If you want to be able to make a decision where you, after the meeting, actually go out of the door or out of the meeting and, and you just, yes, I'm an ambassador for our decision instead of Mm, I wasn't so happy about that and I didn't speak up and you know so many things happen in meetings that make them not so efficient so when when I talk about not always collaborating it's actually let's say you have a meeting Mm. and and you ask a question how can we solve x Uh, then if you instead of just starting popping ideas if you just say, if the meeting leader just steps back, slow down to speed up, mm. if you just step back for a while and say, okay, everyone, let's take two minutes and each and every one of us think for for themselves, what do you think about this? What would you like to do? What pops up in your head? Mm. And just note it down, even on post-its or, or a piece of paper. And then you can start sharing that mm. in the meeting and have a more systematic way of having a collaborative meeting. I have I have a method called 3C, which is all about this. 
so and and what happens is that when you have you get the time to think about it on your own for a while you don't have the group pressure you eliminate the danger of that someone always speaks up first yeah. maybe if the leader speaks up first the leader will be sort of directing the mm. the conversation so you eliminate a lot of, a lot of pitfalls by giving that space first not to collaborate and then when you know what to do and you're the expert you shouldn't collaborate you should just have action yeah <laughs> yes and and when do you want to when do you have, want to have feedback when you want to have when you're unsure when you want to discuss something that's when you get together and collaborate yeah mm. exactly and this also has a lot to do with what we talked about before at least regarding communication like and the the dialogues we have and the ways that we talk to each other and communicate Dialogues are so interesting. I've become more and more in love with the power of dialogues, powerful dialogues. And I think if we step back a little bit before diving into that, if we, if I'm thinking that if there ever was a time in history for us Homo sapiens to truly live up to our name, Mm. which homo sapiens means wise humans, sapiens means wise in Latin. So if there ever, ever was a time in history to, to truly live up to our name, it's now and the next eight years mm. so that we can create a sustainable plan, planet before it's too late. And I think that the good news here is that the, the corporate world is sitting on a huge potential that can be used here. This potential is is to unlock and use human intelligence and wisdom much better than we are we're currently are. Mm. So, how about Wesley? If we if we uh, take the opportunity to challenge all leaders in the corporate world mm. to to actually step up to actually do what they uh, need to do mm. <laughs> or learn and or to unlock the most brilliant ideas. Mm that we need desperately now uh, to unlock the and truly use all of our human intelligences. And then I also write about in, this in the book, the, we have several in, intelligences. Mm. We don't only have IQ, which is sort of under threat from the automation now, but we also have emotional intelligence. Yes, yes. It's our unfair advantage over robots. Yeah. <laughs> we should use it more. Yeah. We have social intelligence. We have creative intelligence and mm. we have collaborative intelligence. Mm. So the corporate world actually has a lot of potential in their hands, in, in the teams and in the organization. And it's not fully used today. Mm. Uh, we know people are not fully engaged. COVID is taking its toll on well-being and and uh, impacting negatively impacting stress levels and engagement and connection and collaboration even innovation mm. and we know that some companies have a fear-based culture which is choking initiative and collaboration we know most companies by far are not harvesting and using the ideas and solutions people have mm. in an organization mm. and it's not because they don't they they don't want it to be this way i'm sure they that's not the intention but it's a waste yes it's a waste and 
Speaking of sustainability, this is a waste. I think we sh- no longer can afford. The clock is ticking and yeah. our planet needs our most brilliant ideas and solutions so we can regenerate our world or help our world to regenerate. So, yeah, mm-hmm. companies need to speed up implementation of of strategic sustainability goals. And this is where dialogues come into to the picture because in in everyday life in everyday work or work situations for example in one-to-one dialogues in meetings in emails or zoom teams on the phone even on slack or whatever Mm. in any kind of dialogue that you have even with yourself you are given golden opportunities to either lock or unlock your people's brilliance and intelligence Mm -hmm. and motivation and action, the potential. And it's in a huge part of the battle to succeed, to speed up SDGs and and, and sustainability or to implement any strategy. Mm. Uh, The battle is in the dialogues. We can strive to make everyday dialogues really brilliant and powerful so that they drive action forward not backwards Mm. so that doesn't stall but it actually step by step each dialogue is driving action forward so this is the place to really um, incorporate all what we need from from research that we know um, make people more engaged and motivated and and collaborated it's in the dialogue that you can make people feel heard or not heard. Mm. It's, that's where you can make people feel respected or not, or seen or not. So this is mm. a, a, a place where you actually have the possibility to again and again and again have these dialogues that unlock the best in us, mm. the, the absolute smartest thinking in us and, and our best behavior. So, and we are getting more and more distracted. So the, the, the deeper you have come into, let's say, writing a report or, or working on a presentation or preparing for something, and you get distracted or you distract yourself, you allow yourself to be distracted, mm. uh, the, the higher the cost. And it can yeah. actually take you up to 20, 25 minutes to come back yeah. to that level of brain functioning you, you start thinking, oh, I'm no good. I will, I will fail. We only have these negative thoughts running in, inside us, talking to us. And so that's about the inner dialogue that you can, that's one of the tools that, that I have to deal with these dialogues, the inner dialogues as well, mm. and to understand how other people's dialogues and mindset and established truths and and so yeah. on how they how they connect with how people react how they respond yeah. and so on mm. and on that note i really recommend uh, everybody to read your book because it's very <laughs> it has these great tools and it's really it's thick but it's it's easy to read and i i really enjoyed it so recommend I'm that happy to <laughs> thank you it's not a novel it's more like a handbook yeah so, yes exactly and we do register so you can just you know easily find out yeah. and get some useful tips and 
inspiration of how to move on full of cases as yes. well so working with what you are working with now but also through your your entire career i'm sure there have has been and not always easy sailing so what would you say have been the biggest challenges and and when times are tough what keeps you going i think this comes back all all the way from from my childhood spending a, a lot of time all summers with the with my grandparents and plenty of mosquitoes because they lived in the north of Sweden at the countryside by a forest and a lake and they had a lot of love less of money so I was brought up to care to be content with a simple life we harvest we were harvesting food from nature I was taught to be curious to study and, mm -hmm. and always give my best and You know, back then there were no mobiles, no distractions, mm. no internet, not even, I, I didn't even have friends to play with. Mm. So, but you know what? These summers were wonderful, Vesla mm. I was spending uh, time swimming, fishing and planting and picking berries and watching flowers and bees and, and, and trying to create, I remember trying to create a fishing rod without, that it shouldn't have any tools, no no technical equipment. I just wanted to fabricate it from nature. I, <laughs> okay. I never succeeded really well. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds hard. <laughs> yeah. But it gave me plenty of time then to be aligned with nature and, and the power, nature's beauty and, and power and mysteries. There was, for example, a small pond where frogs would lay their eggs and, and these would turn into hundreds of cute small tadpoles mm. swimming around with their huge head and, and tails and I just loved being there and watching them grow and to make sure that that they had water because the small stream of water uh, could easily get blocked so I would clear it and so that they could survive and so there was a sprout there somehow my my love for nature and the magic of life mm. uh, it stayed inside me like a sprout and that was the dandelion that sort of yeah. had grown and 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 just said now it's time to to really to really blossom so it comes from there it it's it's from there my father also was an entrepreneur he had a sort of an idealistic approach to life and probably that is also part of my sprout mm. um he had a quite interesting building concept trying to build sort of cheap even back then, quite sustainable, tiny houses oh. for people who, who didn't have much. And you had this, we, we still have it, my brother and I, because he never succeeded. Okay. But we still have that recipe for, for the foam concrete oh. product, that or, or, organic foam concrete product that, that mm. he developed. You can, just by building that, not to talk much about that, but you could actually, if you built, he built several houses. And if, if you were, if you are to build walls with just that product you don't need the glava you don't need the, mm. the, the plastic and and all that you could just if it's thick enough it's 40 centimeters and it's fireproof also for humidity it doesn't track in because it's there's so much air inside of this concrete so it's it's a wonderful product yeah it's not my brother's or, or my cup of tea but It's a wonderful product, and but he never succeeded. And, and partly why he didn't succeed was because he wasn't a great collaborator. Oh, yeah. Huh. He, he had very little empathy. 
And it was absolutely top down. Probably if someone else had had the same product, someone else could have made it. Hmm. Yeah. So it was very frustrating for me to grow up and see that he didn't Mm. He didn't communicate well. He didn't collaborate well. He didn't succeed. But he had he had this entrepreneur in his in his soul, and I probably inherited uh, that. So that that is sort of what what drives me. Mm. I had a turning point, a challenge. Mm, it happened quite quickly. I was at a a conference about five years ago, mm. and I met a CEO from a huge organization, Norwegian or- organization. And, and she asked me what I do, of course, and I replied that I develop leaders, blah, blah, blah. And she just shook her head and said with frustration, leadership programs don't work. They are a waste of time and money, like firework, inspiring there and then, and gone the next day. ROI is too low. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> it sort of demotivated me for a short while. So I was thinking, is she right? And I did some research, and yes, she is right. Oh. Absolutely right. Yeah. Leaders are busy. They get caught yeah. up in daily operations, and without repetition – we know that we forget about 80% even yeah. more very, very, very quickly. So the research is clear. The ROI of traditional training is absolutely too low. Hmm. It was a huge challenge. I didn't want it to be like that. And at the same time, I had too much work, not to complain about that, but because when working one-to-one and in person, hmm. I had to say no. There was simply just too little time and, and capacity was limited. So so I, I, I added the question, how could I solve that and be mm. there for more people? And I remembered one one leader who said, Eva, how can I put you in my pocket so that you're always there when I need you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all this coming together, I started reading and experimenting and I followed my gut and I used research to learn more about the pitfalls in traditional leadership programs and then i started developing a concept began making short videos yes videos that with that were easy to digest and and i then picked six critical dialogue strategies or tools if you would like mm. that over the years when i'd been coaching leaders i'd noticed that they have always had a great positive impact, even with little, when leaders would actually begin using them. I made short five to ten minute videos. Mm. These methods, they, are, they work. They have such a great impact because they, they are easy to use methods that are core. It's based on core human needs and psychology on a very profound level, mm. on the very core of human uh, behavior and it's also some there's also some basic neuroscience science in that anyone can understand and learn and and it's based on common sense basically mm. so you could just build on what you already do and do more of that mm. and maybe you want to stop doing something and maybe you want to begin doing something but then i thought that if concentrating on, on just these six tools and learning one per week leaders could quickly make a bigger impact in just six weeks mm. and have these breakthrough dialogues and meetings and presentations and that, that would then drive action forward. And because basically in organizations today, we are so well-trained in our profession 
but we are not mm. so well trained in in these deep core human factors that impact the level the the quality the level of how good we are at communicating and collaborating how good we are at getting buy in for our ideas or our our decisions or our, our initiatives to to mobilize efforts as fast as po- possible we haven't been trained so this is mm. not leaders fault really we haven't been trained and and the traditional training so we are approaching uh, the end but i have my standard questions the first one is it's 2030 I I chose that year because it's not that far away, but far away enough. <laughs> and a lot of people are talking about 2030 as this magical <laughs> year. So if you could set the stage for what the world looks like then, ideally, what does it look like? First of all, that's only in eight years. Yeah. But first of all, we we have we have actually achieved the goal of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees we have lived up to our name of being uh, wise humans mm. and to get there we have learned how to fast track positive change i believe that the corporate world has a huge opportunity and responsibility to get there they have become really really good at not only developing a sustainable strategy but also really good at breaking it down to sdgs and operational goals that division leaders both own and manage with motivation yeah. they have learned how to speed up implementation and and become masters of creating positive change that's what we need and yeah they know how to to mobilize and motivate stakeholders that we spoke of before mm. they know how to systematically drive implementation and change in a manner that creates energy and motivation and courage to take on also the next challenge and opportunity because many change initiatives today fail because organizations don't know how to motivate their employees to make the transition from strategy to operational activity mm. and this can be fixed we we know we know what the drivers are to either demotivate or motivate, motivate mm. people so so when when change initiatives fail it it drains energy it drains motivation So we need the the opposite. We need these changes to give us energy and motivation and courage, mm. so that we can actually continue with the next one when yes. we're finished yeah. with the first one. Yeah, that's how to sort of speed up instead of becoming cynical. Yeah, yeah it didn't function this way this this time. Yeah, I know. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Bend over. Yeah. yeah. So we need we need to get a, another kind of culture. Very good. Uh, so if, if you maybe you can think of leaders, but also. Everybody, if there's one thing that you would like people to do after listening to this episode, what would that be? Like concrete action? Mm. As you say, leaders, that's obvious. We've spoken a lot about that. Mm. But I think anyone in any uh, situation, you could just begin with what you what you know and what you what you can because everyone is unique we all have mm. our experience we all have our connections we all have 
even a small butterfly can can be, give big ripple effects. So just go, go, go. Do what you can. And listen to people who are who have an idea. Invite them. Help them. And and be good at dialogues. I love these dialogues that actually create the kind of positive behavior that create the kind of inspiration and emotions that we need that create engagement and create the action that can speed up and drive any kind of progress, even if it's having a more sustainable value chain in, in a kindergarten mm. or, or if it's living more sustainably at home or, or any organization you're part of, if it's football team, yeah, exactly. you can do things there. Do whatever you can, and it begins with dialogues. And then expect people to be reluctant because when you come with, can I just add this little thing? Yes, please. What to expect when you come with something? Well, often change for many people can be perceived as a threat. And what then, because they have to change something, they come outside of their comfort zone and it's so cozy to be in there because mm. you master it, you're safe, you don't have to be afraid of failing, you don't have to change anything, you can keep your connections, you can keep your bonus, you can, you know, yes. <laughs> it's very comfortable. Yeah. So when you come with a suggestion, sort of expect that people will then move inside their brains, they will move uh, away from their smart brain, which, is, which has the name cortex. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest part of our brain. And they will move, actually, bio biologically move away. The focus and energy will move backwards towards the part of the brain where you want to fight and flight yeah. or freeze and defend yourself. And we could, we could call that, a populistic name is, is reptile brain. Mm. And just expect that when you come with some kind of suggestion that people will get to their reptile brain and say no at first yeah. that is just a normal response and that is when you slow down to speed up mm. and you meet that you use the deep listening that you talked about and you meet people where they are and you have this dialogue that will that will help people to come back into their cortex instead where we have the smart thinking that is where we have our empathy that's where we have all these intelligences, hmm. collaborative and creative and so on, and, and problem solving. So if you want to have a cortex-to-cortex -cortex communication, one great thing to do is to expect that people will feel afraid, enter their reptile brain, and yeah. it will take a little bit before they come back into their cortex. Huh. And that is where you slow down to speed up. Yeah. Hmm. That's, uh, that's very interesting. Something to keep in mind. <laughs> as we're trying to implement all these different <laughs> projects. <laughs> so the one thing that you will after is have great dialogues. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that's very good. So if someone now would like to get in touch with you after listening to this, what is the best way to contact you? Anyone can feel free to, to write me an email, of course, which is hogstrom at lederhjelpen.no. I don't know if there's a I will place where it, you could write yes, this. I will put it in the show notes so it's easy to find. Yeah. Thank you. So 
if you, for example, would like to have these four quests that I yeah. that I worked with the, at Christmas, yes, yes, to come to this uh, pivot to this decision, just just send me an email and I'll, and I'll send you those four questions. Yeah, great. And also the slow map, you can just download it at lederhjelpen.no on my mm-hmm. website. It's both in English and in Norwegian, both of them. I'm always open to discuss sustainability challenges or ideas or collaboration, anything that can help us speed up action mm. so just call me just call me great yeah perfect thank you so much for taking the time and i know that we will meet again soon physically as well and that makes me very very happy because we have so much interesting things to talk about <laughs> so thank we you do. very much thank you for inviting me and giving me the possibility to share what is really the core of my heart so thank you It makes me so happy to meet people who have made a shift after doing some internal inventory. Like Eva, who is now dedicating 90% of her time and work to help leaders fast-track sustainability actions. And what I think is so encouraging is that there are more and more people like this who have made a real transition. And the combination of seeing the urgency As Eva puts it, there is no time to lose and at the same time pointing to all the opportunities which lies in this transition. That, I think, is the key. As always, all the information for this episode is to be found on storiesforthefuture.no and while you are there, you might take a look around. I have been working a lot on this website and very soon I will also share a resources page there with a lot of great stuff to dig into. I'll just have a serious talk with my friend the perfectionist and also my other friend Miss Procrastinator and I will keep you posted. Stories for the Future is made and edited by me, Veslemøy Klavnesberge. You will find all links and information for this episode and everything else related to this podcast on storiesforthefuture.no. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you would like to show your support and make it easier for other people to find this podcast, I would be really grateful if you would leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at Stories for the Future. Until next time, go out and make a dent in the world. There's work to be done and impact to be made. And we can actually have a lot of fun along the way. Mm